This episode of The Happiness Question is brought to you by Jay Schiffman. Jay Schiffman is a public speaker, coach, and host of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. He interviews people with lived experiences on the topics of mental health, substance misuse, and recovery, and drug use and policy to help end stigma and normalize difficult conversations through empathy and vulnerability. Each year, over 125,000 Americans die from overdose and suicide combined. I'm not even talking about the other causes of death related to substance misuse and mental health. Just those two. Those are our friends, our neighbors, our family members. They go to our churches, eat next to us at our favorite restaurants. They talk to us through our favorite podcasts. And these deaths are completely preventable. There are massive system changes that need to happen. But until we can have an honest conversation about these topics, these lives will continue to be lost. That's why Jay produces the Choose Your Struggle podcast. That's why he tells his story. As a guy in long-term recovery who survived two suicide attempts and an overdose, he recognizes his privilege. He's been given a second chance in a country and a world where most people don't even get their first. For him not to use it for something truly meaningful would be a waste of his second chance. That's why he gives up every day to work to end the stigma and ensure that those who need help get the help they deserve, because we're in this together. Check out his podcast, Choose Your Struggle, by listening wherever you find podcasts. Today's episode is sponsored by Anchor. It's the great podcast creator and distributor that helps make the happiness question possible. They make it easy to distribute your podcast onto more than 10 platforms, including Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, all without you lifting a finger. Even better, everything they offer is free. You can even get sponsorships for your podcast with no minimum listenership required, like I've got. If you're looking to start a podcast of your own, there's no better place than Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Ashley, how are you doing today? Doing really well. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Tell me about yourself. I'm originally from Florida and my husband's from Florida. We met in Florida and then when we got married, we moved to Kansas City because he was going to uh, seminary. And he actually moved out there to get things set up about six months before we were married. And so he moved in January. And so I was always checking the weather (laughs) from back in Florida and would text him, I must love you. It's 10 degrees out there. I can't believe you're making me move (laughs) somewhere with real winter. But we moved there, lived there for about, let's see, five years. And then we've been out in Utah for six. And Utah winters are much less awful than Kansas City winters, but I still don't like winter as a concept in general. <laughs> but yeah, I have two kids and I'm a writer in my spare time, which there's not a lot of raising kids, but, and I'm trying to learn the cello. That's also coming very slowly because of a lack of spare time. I can't imagine doing a lot of things without being able to see, but then again, maybe it's different for somebody that has had that for like their whole life. I, I definitely think it is. I have a lot of admiration and respect for people who've had sight really for any part of their life long enough to know what they're missing and to know how they did, remember how they did things with, with sight and then to suddenly lose it. I think that's a whole nother level of um, 
grit and determination. I was born blind, so I never knew what I was missing. So really for most of my life, it didn't bother me that much. I really, I didn't really think much of it. Now that I've, I've had kids, it, there are lots of instances where vision would just be really convenient. Yeah, you know, particularly when they can't find that one little random toy that they think they lost in the rather large living room. That's, that is frustrating. Like, yeah, just go ask your dad, guys. Um, yeah. He can use his magic gift of vision and find it in like 30 seconds or less. There's the one person in the house, right? Yeah, he gets to do all the driving and all the color matching and finding all the lost toys. It's got to be a hard job. What was the hardest thing you've ever done? Well, can I give more than one answer? Because that's yes. a tricky, tough question. Okay, I think the, so the big answer, I can honestly say the hardest thing I've ever done is, is raise kids because I was terrified of the idea of raising kids without sight. That was, that was really intense. As far as just sort of the period of my life before kids, I'd say the hardest thing I ever did was probably when I was doing like rock climbing. Like actual, like not like in a gym with the rock wall, but like on a mountain with harnesses and all that. And going up was fine. I mean, it was exhausting. I don't have the most awesome upper body strength, but I made it up a decent way. But then getting back down was pretty scary because we had to do the rappelling thing. That was crazy. So yeah, two very different answers. It's I think as a mom, you kind of lump your life in. But there was all that time before kids, and then there's now with kids, <laughs> and they're two very different seasons of life. Oh, that's really cool. Why and how have you become the person you are today? Oh, goodness. Oh, gosh. Well, okay. I mean, think why and how. I think two big, two big factors as to why I am who I am today. I think it had my kids, of course. Kids really, they show you the person that you really want to be. And they also show you the, that you're not the person you, you think you are. <laughs> Before I'd had kids, if you'd asked me, would you think of yourself or describe yourself as a, an impatient or kind of short-tempered, easily frustrated person. And I would have said generally, no, not really. And then kids come along and I realized how, how wrong I was. <laughs> when, you're, when you're confronted with little people who need you pretty much from the moment they wake up until the moment they lay down. Um, now, as they get older, that diminishes some for sure. But I was just really confronted with, oh my goodness, I'm not the relatively calm person I, I, that I just assumed I was. <laughs> so my kids are really shaping me and helping me realize things about myself that I don't want to be the case. And, and they also help me realize that I'm capable of way more than I ever would have thought. So I'd say that's, the big, that's one of the big things that's really shaped me. And the other is, is my faith, for sure. Faith in Christ and how that has um, really influenced my entire life, um, especially now with kids. But yeah, I'd say those are the two big things. That's awesome. So what is it like to raise blind children? Being a blind mom with blind kids, it definitely makes some things interesting. So for example, my daughter, who again has no sight, just like myself, but she really wants to know what color everything is. And she's never had sight either. So she has no, uh, just like me, she has no understanding or grasp of what color really is. But in her, it, for her, it's really important. What color is my shirt? What color is the plate that I'm eating dinner off of? It, so that just makes life fun because I don't remember. Some of her clothes I remember because they have distinctive, you know, patterns or textures. But 
I have to keep track of my own wardrobe, let alone hers. <laughs> so it makes life fun and kind of amusing in that way. In some ways, it makes life interesting in that we're able to have, you know, conversations with people. Because, yeah, blind mom with the cane and blind daughter with the cane and our son also has cerebral palsy, so he's not able to walk. He's blind and has cerebral palsy, so he can walk by himself, but short distances, but he's not using a cane yet. So often when we're all out in public, he'll kind of walk behind me with his hands kind of on my waist as kind of just to know where I am. So people ask questions and that's kind of a neat like opportunity to, to explain blindness to people and adoption because both our kids are adopted and I like to talk to people about that too. So it makes life interesting in that way, kind of get to be, get to be a little bit of an educational component there. Why did you adopt? Well, that, so, adoption is something that Luke, my husband, and I had wanted to do for a while. He had family who had adopted and so was familiar with it in that way. I worked as a, a social worker in a group home for foster kids for a time. Uh, and then I worked as a case manager in a, in a homeless shelter for families and saw a lot of kids who I wish were in better situations. So it kind of, those things just continued to impress on us and that we wanted to adopt. But we were never living in the best, we didn't have enough space or we didn't make enough. And that changed finally about uh, five and a half years ago. We were finally in a place where we uh, had the money and the, the space and the resources. And uh, we were trying to decide which route to go. There's so many different ways to adopt and we weren't really sure what we wanted to do. And uh, we were having dinner with some friends and they just sort of threw out the thought that, hey, you know, um, with your blindness, Ashley, you guys should really think about overseas adoption with special needs because you might be able to be a really good fit for particularly blind kids um, because it might be harder for blind kids to be adopted. And that just made a lot of sense. And so we started pursuing that. Uh, and then we contacted different adoption agencies and we kept running into issues with, because every country has their own adoption requirements. And we kept running into problems where either our income wasn't high enough by the country standards or my blindness was considered to be an obstacle and they weren't felt that I would be a safe parent. And so country of Bulgaria in Eastern Europe was one that would work with us on both counts. <clears throat> and so that's where both our kids are from. And I have to tell the story of my daughter just because it's an amazing story and it was definitely God's providence. So the caseworker okay, we're going to explore Bulgaria, but it's a new program on our end, on the agency side. We don't know if they'll accept you. Give us 60 days and we'll let you know if you can even move forward. The next day, we got a phone call from the caseworker who said, so I was contacting our people in Bulgaria and they was telling them your situation. And they asked me, oh, so they, you, you want them to consider adopting Lexi, right? The caseworker, she's telling us her reaction was, who? I'm sorry, I don't know who that is. And the contact in Bulgaria, oh, I just sent you an email like a few minutes ago about a little girl in one of our orphanages who's blind. I thought that's who you were talking about. <laughs> so just in an awesome, awesome turn of events. And by God's grace, uh, we were able to adopt her and way faster than we ever would have thought. So it's a really awesome story. I had to share. You're homeschooling your kids. How does that work? 
Yes, that's correct. And that does also uh, make things interesting, being blind and raising blind kids. As they get older, we'll be able to do more on the computer and online once they learn how to use a computer effectively. At the younger years, it's taught most people who homeschool will buy a curriculum, like a set of books, and they'll just go through the books. So people will say, oh, we're doing, of course, now I can't think of any names of said curriculum. But we're, we're using this or that specific curriculum for these subjects. Well, right now, that's just not very feasible for us because they don't come in Braille. I can't read the material. My kids can't read the printed material. Again, once they're older, we'll be doing a lot more online. But for right now, I'm kind of just putting my own lessons together. So I'll kind of go through each subject and work out what aspects of that subject I want them to be trying to work on. So for example, reading, obviously they're both learning Braille, but I also wanted them to learn to read print letters because that was actually something I never learned as a kid. It was exclusively Braille. But there's a lot of signs and things that have embossed or raised print that it would be really just useful for them to know how to read. And so the cool thing about homeschooling is that I've learned it's not as if I have to know an entire depth and breadth of a subject before I can teach it to my kids. I just have to be one or two steps ahead of them. And that's been really cool to realize. So for reading print, for example, I would have Luke because we have raised, we have different forms of letters. So we have magnets that are the shape of the letters. We have tiles so the letters are raised on the tiles so much smaller um, to fit on the small tile and so I would have Luke teach me all right this is A and B and C once I learned those then I would teach the kids A B and C and then I would learn the next three letters and then teach the kids and, it, and eventually we all all three of us learned together the print alphabet which was really cool so they can read in print and braille now well they're working on Braille. Braille has proven difficult, particularly for my daughter. She'll just ask me, because I think the dots are very small and she has trouble really distinguishing them from each other and it's going to take some time, but she'll just ask me, why can't I just read in print? Well, because they don't make books like that. I have to learn in Braille. And so for things like uh, geography, we, we just started thinking about, okay, well, what could make this more tactile for them? Because for a while I was having them just do kind of memorization of states and capitals and okay Colorado's east of Utah and north of Utah is Idaho and things like that and I could tell they were getting bored with that understandably so I, we got like a, a map puzzle that has all the pieces that you could take out and and so we do things like that and that's really kind of sparked their interest in geography it's kind of trial and error in, in a sense i'm kind of just finding what works and the cool thing about homeschooling is that you can if, if an approach isn't working you can just kind of step back and okay let's try something else but like for, for lexi my daughter she was having a really hard time doing math so my son can do like crazy math in his head like he, he can he's 10 he's only been home with us for two years as far as we can tell, hardly received any education where he was. And he can, so three-digit numbers with carrying, he can do in his head, like 328 plus 457. And a lot of times I have to write it out myself. Like I'm doing it right so that I can check his mental work and make sure that I'm, I'm not, you know, adding something wrong. So he can do that. But Lexi, she's six. So obviously I was not throwing those type of numbers at her. <laughs> but even like five plus four, she just 
it just in her head approach was not working. So she knows they know print numbers. So I just got a magnet board because we had magnet numbers. And so I'll just with the signs of add the plus and minus and equal signs. And so I'll just make her questions on the board. And she'll even ask me, like, can I do another question? And she'll make her own questions, pick out the numbers and do it herself. And so that's really helped. That's what's neat about homeschooling. You can just kind of find what works. How does technology work for those that don't have the ability to see the screens? So technology, yeah, there's a lot out there now. As far as regular, like a Windows computer goes, there is programs that will read whatever's on the screen. So I will use that. So I can do email and internet, and, you know, browsing, use Firefox, and I use the Microsoft the Office programs and all that, just like you do. I just have it <clears throat> read out loud to me. And there's different like keyboard shortcuts because I wouldn't use the mouse. But most things you can do through keyboard shortcuts that you could do with the mouse. And that's something my kids will be learning as they get older, learning how to use the computer and, and navigate that. Assuming that by the time they're ready for that, that the technology won't just have completely changed <laughs> entirely. Phones. Uh, I'll be honest, I'm still not, I'm not a fan of the touch screen. And I know it makes me sound like one of those old people, but I've just decided that's just, that's who I am now with actual buttons make life a whole lot easier. But there is a program for phones. Google and Apple have their own version of it that you can um, do the swipe up and down the screen. It'll read the different items and you can enter a double tap and you know open things. And there's ways to interact. I have younger blind friends who type on touch screens. That just drives me insane. And I raising kids, I already have very little sanity as it is sometimes. <laughs> I just use my Bluetooth keyboard for my phone. So if I'm sending texts or whatever. And then they have some really awesome technology. Like how I'm talking with you right now is on my tablet, but it, it's a Braille keyboard. So it's, it's not a computer keyboard. It's like a, the six dots in a Braille cell. It's the six keys for the Braille keyboard in the space bar. And then it has, instead of a screen, it has a Braille display below the keyboard so that I can read or feel whatever would be on the actual screen if it had a screen. So instead of voice, I can just read it, which is really nice. So yeah, technology is pretty amazing and I'm grateful for it. Yeah, that's amazing. What is your favorite thing about being unsighted? I, I haven't thought about that actually in quite a while. I've been asked that before, but it's been a while since I've given that some serious thought. I think just, I mean, you know, I could go an amusing way with it and say that it's nice to not see, I don't know, animals hit on the side of the road or to see like gross or, you know, awkward things. But I think it, it makes me appreciate the other senses more. I, I love just, for example, sitting by the ocean or by a river and just listening to the sound of the water. I, I think I think the ocean in particular is one of the most uh, beautiful things, just the sound of it. So, I mean, I suppose in that sense, it's nice to just be able to focus on, on sound. How have you personally been able to press forward? I, I would say first because of my faith. I believe that God's in control of all things. And so my blindness wasn't an accident or random. I think there's a purpose behind it. And so that's, there's, there's comfort and trust in that. And just my, my family and my, my parents and siblings and my, my husband, they, they're all really supportive and really helpful. And that makes a huge difference. And I'm very grateful to have a, a supportive family. And again, it's what I'm used to. Blindness 
isn't really that big of a deal. It was in middle school, but everything's a big deal in middle school. So <laughs> that's not really a great uh, thing to base it on. Yeah, so I'd say those three things. Ooh, what does happiness mean to you? I think what I would say, uh, I think so many people, uh, let's see, so many people look at happiness as something that they should be feeling all the time, as in happiness is just like a euphoric feeling, like everything is just wonderful and I have no problems and my life is um, just always rainbows and just amazing. But real life doesn't work that way and there's so many different seasons of life and they all bring their own emotions and difficulties. So I think for me, happiness, like love in the sense of loving my kids or loving my, my husband, it's, it's, a, it's a choice in a sense. Like I'm, I'm not going to just base how I, what I think about my, my kids or, or, or husband, as an example, just on how I feel at the moment. Because people can do things that really annoy you at the moment but I'm choosing to love you because that's what's right. And that's what the you know promise of marriage is. Or that's what raising kids means. And so happiness, I think it's kind of similar in that it's not just a great feeling, but it's just realizing, trying to keep a, a good perspective, I guess, in life that for me, trusting in, in the, the sovereignty and goodness and providence of God, and then just taking, finding joy in in my family and in um, my writing and in the things that matter and but it doesn't it doesn't mean either just ignoring the hard emotions and just wanting them to be over it can also mean really dealing with those emotions too the the, the hardness the difficulty of life and the sadness that comes but all that to say yeah i think it's a it's a, it's in a sense of choice uh, as opposed to just something that happens to you uh, if that makes sense because it can be exhausting trying to like keep your life going at such a pace that you always have that happy feeling more like down to earth. <laughs> what do you like to do? I like to go hiking. Going hiking and finding like to streams or rivers. I enjoy that. Enjoy, I like reading. I love to read like classic literature and <clears throat> history. David McAuliffe is one of my favorite historians ever. And his books are massive, but... They keep me enthralled. And so I really enjoy real history is so much more interesting than like movies or whatever. Like real actual history is fascinating. So yeah, I like to read. I just love going to like coffee shops and just sitting and listening to the music. I can find a good coffee shop that just plays like acoustic music and not like the radio. <laughs> but yeah, you know, that's nice. You know, I do enjoy writing. That's something that I found <clears throat> that I enjoy and people seem to enjoy my writing, which is really neat. Hope that what I write can bring people encouragement or at least amusement. And I like food. I love eating. I'm so glad that we can just really enjoy food because it could have all just tasted the same. One thing about Kansas City, I will say the winters were terrible, but I missed the barbecue. If you're ever in Kansas City, you should go check out Jack Stack Barbecue. Awesome. What is something we can do to be happier? I don't know. I would say just, I don't know, maybe not always having uh, happiness be the, the end goal, as in like, if you're not constantly searching for it, I think you might find it in the, the just everyday aspects of life, hard work and family and nice weather. I mean, I think you can deal with harder things and work through them. Because it can go too far the other way. Like, oh, just get over the sad thing. What I mean, like, yeah. oh, your father just died or your, your child is really sick. Yeah, just suck it up. Yeah. It'll be, they can go too far the other way, too. I think uh, just dealing with 
the harder parts of life and, and not like expecting like, oh, well, it's been six months. I should just be totally fine now. I think there's such an expectation a lot of times that, well, haven't you been grieving long enough? Well, there's not really supposed to be a time limit on it. Is there anything else? You know, I guess there is one thing. It, so my kids are blind and one has cerebral palsy, but I just love people to know like, hey, they're still kids. Like my son plays piano and my daughter goes to gymnastics and they love to play in the pool and they love ice cream and they're just kids. And if you're ever out and you see us all like, hey, just treat us like anyone else. And just, yeah, they're just great kids. And they're just like your kids, whoever's listening who may have kids. And they're just like yours and they, they like to just do the same things. And they drive me crazy, just like I'm sure other people's kids drive them crazy. <laughs> But yeah, we're not really any different. It's always a wonderful thing to remember. Oh, I, I did want to mention, if it can still be added, I did want to mention yes. my Facebook page. If anyone, uh, any of you guys would like to follow me, I'd really appreciate it. You can just search for A Blind View on Facebook, A Blind View by Ashley Wayne. And, uh, but not to be confused with, there's a curtain store apparently that also has the same clever name. That's not me, but the, the writer page is mine. Well, Ashley, I think that's about all the time we have left. So thanks for joining the show. Remember, you can find Ashley on her blog, A Blind View, or on her Facebook page, A Blind View by Ashley Wayne. We hope you and the listeners at home have a great day. Goodbye.